Is this the reading room? Yes, I'm Saad Manzoor. And I'm Travis Howard. This is Reading Room Talk. Thank you for pressing play. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, yeah. You know, we're radiologists. We have special suites. But there's another type of doctor in the hospital that's even more important than us. The GI doctor. They have oh, a special, yeah. special type of suite. And we're here with Dr. Adjua Anani Yaboa. How are you today? I am awesome. Excited to be here. Thanks oh, for having me. Thank you. Thank you for making the time. I feel like, you know, we talk to a lot of GI docs, but uh, not like this. So we appreciate you making the time to talk to us. For sure. Awesome. awesome. We know you're busy doing some wonderful things. Oh, um, yes. Doing some wonderful things, you know, in the academic world, in the community. We want to hear about all of that. Um, yes, we do. For sure. And before we get into all that, though, we have to ask you, take us back to medical school. What would you say was your toughest class or rotation in medical school? Ooh, that is a tricky question. I would say probably gross anatomy. Gross uh, wow. Yeah, definitely okay. gross anatomy for two reasons. <laughs> First reason is that I'm actually not good at memorizing things. Like to this day, I can't memorize things. Like I just can't. Mm. So, I felt like it required a lot of memorization. It was all memorization. It was yeah. all memorization. You can't memorize. Woof! It's, it's a challenge. It's a little brutal. It can be brutal. So much, so much stuff to do. And like, let me, you know, we've we've had this answer before. So let me ask you: Did you actually dissect, or did you kind of like just go through the pro sections with people? So I dissected, but and so it's like I, I'll never forget like dissecting the hands. For some reason, the hands felt like mm-hmm. the most. Like human to It's me. very human. It's so I, human. See. Yeah, I don't know why, <laughs> but yeah. definitely gross anatomy for sure. Oh, yeah. No, I can. So, yeah, yeah. Adra, you, I, you obviously been a stellar student um, and, and you're bona fide, wonderful physician. How do you <laughs> overcome, like, how do you figure out how to memorize things, how to retain all that information? Yeah. Volume, volume, volume. And, yeah, and not yeah. feel good about your, your memorization skills. You know, it's so funny. I just figured out a way that works for me. So if I write something down, then I'll remember it. Oh, and yes, so, I did the same thing. I did oh, yeah. the exact right? same and thing so in med school. It's the only it's, way to It's the only too. way. So I over like and over again. all my notes. Yeah. And for the boards, I rewrote like the whole book. Yes. I mean, <laughs> and that locked that it was, in. That's, that's locked how you do it. Yeah, that that's how you do it. Like some people are visual, they can see it. But for me, I had to like write it down just like you just to like, yeah. you know, just, and then when you review the notes, it like you just came back more natural because it was exactly. your own handwriting. So and then I could remember <laughs> where certain things were on the page. So like during the exam, yes. I wrote it on that line in that color. Oh, that's okay. that's an awesome trick. It's an awesome trick. I love that. That's yeah. so cool. So so take us back to tell us where are you from and how did you get? In- yeah. So I'm from New York, born and raised. Uh, My parents were both born and raised in Ghana. Um, Way back, I'm like third of four, (laughs) letting them know all about me. Um, And so I actually wanted to do something in like politics or in law when I was in high school. Uh, And so in high school, I, I shadowed my like local assembly woman for like one of my classes. And I realized that it was like a lot of like reading. And again, I can't memorize well, <laughs> a lot of reading, a lot of like, you know, re- uh, remembering bills, but it wasn't really a lot of like people and interacting with people and like, you know, getting to know them. 
And so I, I figured out that wasn't for me and it kind of just hit like maybe, maybe medicine is for me. And I also wonder, I mean, my dad is a physician and I always oh, say that <clears throat> impact my decision, but like maybe subconsciously it did. Oh yeah, no, that makes sense. Now, can you tell us like why did uh, he leave or come, you know, leave Ghana or come to New York? Like, what was their rationale? I guess for coming. You know, that is a really great question, and like, shame on me that I never asked that. I'm like, let me write that down because that's <laughs> and ask him. No, but he so he came here to do his residency. Oh, very uh, cool. He came here with his best friend. They're still best friends to this day. He literally had only $400 in his pocket oh and slept wow. in the hospital for the first few months until he had enough money to get an apartment. And That's so I'm like, great. you could wow. do that. Like, I got to keep on pushing. Are you serious? Isn't that I didn't know that story. That's a, yeah, that's that's being driven dedication really bad now so, now where did you grow up in new york what borough were you in uh so not a borough do you know yorktown new york most people don't mm, it's no. not where the battle of yorktown was that's virginia that's what most oh people yes <laughs> <laughs> very cool so how was growing up there like uh, were there like a lot of other uh, people from ghana there or was no it, it was actually so there were there were not a lot of black people in general in Yorktown, New York. Not a lot of diversity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that was definitely very challenging because, I mean, people you know there's like stereotypes and assumptions and of mm -hmm, what you mm -hmm. can't do. Uh, so I remember a guidance counselor being like, mm, "Nah, you shouldn't apply to that college. Mm, you're probably not going to get into medical school. Like you should do something else." Wow. So, Wow. This is what year? What year was this? So this was either my third or fourth year, junior or senior year. Oh my god! It was crazy. Wow. And even when I got into college, one of my like close friends in my friend group was like, "You only got in there because of affirmative action." Oh wow! Yeah, well, I've heard that too. Mm -hmm. And you know, <laughs> it's funny how so little can change. Right. And, you know, and it's two thousand whatever two thousand. Wow. What year was that? Two thousand eight. I don't know. 2000, I graduated 2003, did I graduate? 2003, I graduated high school. Wow. Gotcha, gotcha, wow. So like, so how was that process of uh, choosing a college like in the end after you quote unquote got in through affirmative action, I guess? I know, right? Um, gosh, you're really taking it back. <laughs> oh, the journey's back. important, the journey's super important. We're going way yes, back. Yes, it is. Yes. Um, you know, I don't even really, I think I, I spoke with my cousins, my sister was at Columbia and so, and my family was in New York. So actually I really wanted to go to Columbia. Um, and my dad actually worked there. He was a physician at Columbia. So if I got in, then my tuition would have been paid for. And oh. so that would have been like to not have loans. That would be incredible. Um, but I didn't get in to Columbia <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, for medical school or for college. Um, oh, yes. And uh, and so that was hard because I think I applied their early decision. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think it was my cousin told me I went to Tufts in Boston, kind of full mm -hmm. circle back in Boston. But my cousin was like, yeah, I, I loved it there. I love the campus. And so I went to visit. It was, you know, close enough to my family where I could go home and see them, 
but not close enough where they would like be there every day. And so Very, it felt yeah, safe. Balance. Yeah. Absolutely. And so oh, I ended yeah. up in Boston. Oh, that's really cool. That's really nice. And um, so let, let, just a minute to talk about how your dad went from sleeping in the hospital True. to now being this physician at Columbia. I yeah. mean, True. if you if you need to be inspired by anyone, the example's right there. Yeah, <laughs> that is. And it's, you know, it was kind of like it was awesome, but then nothing, no excuse really worked. Like, oh, I'm just uh, today. He's like, no, you're not. <laughs> or like, <laughs> I can't do this. Like, I'm nervous. He's like, you're you're gonna do this and you're gonna be great. And so I, I was going, I was gonna ask you, I know he's probably tough on you then, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like yeah. no excuses, which which helped in a way because you know, I had to keep pushing no matter what. Yeah, yeah. And he's talking yeah, he from did. like experience too. I think that's like that's the difference. Like sometimes people right. are just talking and then some people talk you know, the experience and just like coming from, you know, Africa with four hundred dollars and sleeping in a hospital, you know, our problems are relatively not that right. Big. Right. <laughs> so yeah. that's um, cool. now at Tufts, did you um did you kind of decide you're gonna be pre med at that point? I did, yeah. I, I decided I was gonna pre be pre med. Uh, I think I started bio like my first semester mm -hmm. and I found like my friend group slash study group you know in my bio what was that so that's a major key you got to find the friends who are actually going to study find the study group that's even right. throughout up until med school like you guys know the study group is like key like your your support system is key mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but yeah I mean do you want to hear the whole story pretty much oh or? yes <laughs> oh yes Oh, yes. Um, and so, you know, I think the challenge was as we went through each class, like the study group got smaller and smaller. Mm, and as, so, as it does. It As it does. But you're kind of mm -hmm. like looking around and you're like, whoa, like, mm -hmm. you know, we started with eight and now we're at, by the time I graduated, it was just three of us. And wow. like, obviously you like you have to recruit new people, right? Because like, yep. <laughs> yeah, but it was just, it was really, it was really interesting. And I remember us, you know, in the first year and like stressing over exams. And I'll never forget this one line that my friend said is, don't study harder, study smarter. And that, that literally sits oh, yes. in my brain like to this day. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Great advice. Great advice. Yeah. There's too much information, like you know, and that that applies even more to med school too. So, like, we'll talk about that when we get there. But that that's that's awesome advice. Now, um, now, did you take any time off, or how was the transition from undergrad to med school for you? Yeah, so I I took a year off um, in med school, and actually, in college because I wanted to study abroad, I did orgo over the summer because I wanted to make sure I had time to. Uh, to do a semester abroad and like the usual pre-med kind of pathway doesn't give you much wiggle room. No. And so I spent a semester in Ghana actually, oh, and then came back, uh, finished my pre-med, took a year off before med school to mm -hmm. do research. Uh, and so I did research in New York. I also studied for the MCAT then as well during that time. I, and then and then, yeah, I also, I worked as a research assistant. Oh, that's great. That's so yeah. good to be able to have that time to go to Africa for a semester. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. What was, I, that, what was that like for you? Yeah. So I'd never, 
every time I'd gone there with my family previously, we would always like go to an auntie and an uncle's house and like sit on their couch and drink Fanta. Like I never really could feel the culture and feel like it was my own, you know? So true, so true, yes. It's so different. And so I was able to like, my roommate actually from studying abroad, I'm still friends with to this day. Uh, And so when I was in Ghana this summer with my family, like we were hanging out. Um, And so it's nice because I feel like I was able to see Ghana through my own eyes and like kind of make, make friends and, interact with my family, like my extended family without my immediate family there. Yes. Awesome. I would definitely recommend anybody who is pre-med, but wants to study abroad to honestly do it, whether it's for a semester or a year. And if you need to take the classes over the summer, I know people who actually did their pre-med coursework um, after college. So some of my friends who left the study group actually did it all in like a uh, Harvard had a program that was like an uh, like a shortened program, and so okay. they all their pre med afterwards, and then you know went to medical school and residency. Oh, so that's awesome! Kind of- that's really good. That's that's really good. That's it's important to take that time off and actually get to know yourself and everything. Mm-hmm. So that's really- wow. Yeah, and it makes you a stronger physician. You know, we the, the totally. people we've talked to before, um, you know, in other interviews, they just they talk about how you know any experience you can get outside of the, the, the plan set before you to become a doctor often makes you just a better physician, a better well-rounded person. So thousand um, percent. So yeah. true. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so, so what was your, so I, I guess the, at that point, so you start applying to med school and then you're trying to figure out where to go and like, how, how was that transition for you? Um, that transition was tricky. I didn't really know what kind of, Um, applicant that I would be. And so, again, I wanted to go to Columbia just because of the cost um, situation uh, Mm -hmm. there again. Um, And so, you know, kind of wrote off Columbia at that point. (laughs) Uh, And I... I That turned into fuel, by the way. What was that? So that turns into fuel, by the way, the rejection. It turns into fuel. Like, I don't need you guys. Like, you're missing out on me. Actually. There you go. You're you lost. Exactly. There you go. Right. You wish you could have me now, but too late. Exactly. <laughs> Burn. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm talking about. That's so real. That's so true. Awesome. Um, but, um, yeah, I think I applied broadly, you know, a lot of places on the East Coast because that's where my family was. But you know what? I forgot to mention so I went to Ghana my junior year, but then actually the summer between junior year and senior year of undergrad, I did a, a, a summer program. It was called the SPEP program, Summer Pre-Medical Enrichment Program. Oh, shout out. I did that too. Did you do that? <laughs> oh, yes. I love that. Oh, great program. Where did you do it at? Oh, I did mine at Cincinnati, which is where I ended up. Boom. There you go. Yours. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, I did mine at, I did mine at Case. Oh, and yeah. that's the case for med school. So See, it really makes a difference. It really huge impacts. Huge difference. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny because my um, my roommate in the program, actually, I don't know if she was my roommate in the program, but we were friends in the program. When we started medical school, we were roommates. Domily, Travis. Yeah. That program with me, I met her there. And so when we both got into UC, we decided to to roommate, to room together. 
Oh, that's so funny. So me and my best friend, same thing. We met at met a program and I'm going to med school together. So same. I love it. These programs really have an impact. They really do. That's mm-hmm. that's so good. Nice. And uh, so you went to the HBCU, University of Cincinnati. Sad <laughs> <laughs> has been on a world, been on a world tour of uh, UC, UC really? grads, man. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. You guys are deep. <laughs> So much to be proud of, you know, everyone's just doing their thing, Joshua, and obviously including yourself. So we, he calls us the HBCU, and uh, it's hilarious. (laughs) We're out here. We're out here. Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's so good. So now did you, can you, did you have an interest in internal medicine, like in med school or like, how did that, like, how did you get interested in? uh, Yeah, actually. Actually. My dream was to be a pediatrician. Um, and so like in, med- in undergrad, I was actually a child development major. I did, uh, I volunteered in the peds unit during like my junior year, my senior year. When I got to Cincinnati, I'm like, I'm gonna be a pediatrician. Part of the reason why I wanted to go to UC was because of the Children's Hospital. Awesome Children's Hospital. Awesome yeah. Children's Hospital. Cincinnati Children's is amazing. I got there, I had a whole plan. I, I was became a pediatric scholar. I was like, this is my thing. I'm gonna take over pediatrics. And then I got yeah. to my third year and I was like, whoa, like, do I like pediatrics? <laughs> I don't really. And so it was really kind of jolting because my whole path up until that point was like geared towards pediatrics. And it was my first rotation. And so I was like, you know, maybe it's just cause it's my first one, I don't know. But my second rotation was medicine, and I loved it. I loved it. What yeah. didn't you like about peas? So I, well, child checks are like nails on a chalkboard to me. I, see. I, see. I was like, I, I love that your kid can walk, skip, and jump. But like, I don't really care when they, you know, I don't want to memorize like that they're doing this at two and three, and they're saying five words. It just wasn't it for me. And I think another thing, another reason why I like medicine better is because I could bond with the patients. Where peds, you were kind of bonding through their parents. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't really make that connection like with my patient the same way I could in medicine. That makes yeah, that's great. Once you this great insight. Once you realize that, you know, it's a wrap. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. It's I mean it's 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 a wrap, but then it's also kind of tough because you like been imagining be a pediatrician. So like trying to like kind of you know, switch that in your mind is kind of tough sometimes. But like, you know, the quicker you can realize, you know, this might not work out for me, the better you can kind of focus on the next thing that will actually work out for you. Totally. Yeah. It was I, a pivot. It was a pivot. I mean, I I find I formally decided in my fourth year, like the first or second rotation of my fourth year, which was kind of late, but it worked out. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, and uh, did you want to kind of stay in the Midwest for um, residency or did you kind of apply all over as well? So I applied all over, um, but nowhere that I went, could I really see myself there? Like I didn't get that, like, this is it for me mm-hmm. until actually my last interview was at the University of Illinois at Chicago. And I remember sitting in their um, morning report and I was like, I see myself here next year. I was like, this is, this is it. And so I ranked them number one and I matched there. Ooh, major accomplishment. Yeah. For sure. sure. So up until this point, you have overcome people, you know, putting stereotypes and just Mm -hmm. call a thing, call a thing, being racist in Yorktown. Yeah. You have put up with 
<laughs> making it into Tufts and people saying you shouldn't be there or you're there because of affirmative action. Mm -hmm. You dealt with some disappointment in that you wanted to get into Columbia for financial reasons, whatever, you're close to family, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you, you're just overcoming these these hurdles. You're just leaping over them and, and you won't stop. How, how are you doing it? How are you doing it? What did you, how did you pull, you know, where'd you get your strength? And um, what was the toughest, toughest thing you overcame on your yeah. journey thus far? Yeah, you know, I think the toughest thing that I overcame was, was myself in a way, right? Because you hear people saying, you can't do this, you're not gonna do it. And then you start to internalize it. Like, I'm not smart, I can't do yeah. it, I'm not gonna yeah. make it, right? And so learning to kind of over talk that voice, I think, yeah was critical and just keep on going. And I think I was also fortunate that like my family was very supportive. And my, you remember my dad, he's like, of course you're going to do it. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. so I think that was helpful, but it took, I would say it took me a long time to actually like overcome that, you know, am I good enough, smart enough? Am I going to make it uh, yeah. negativity in my own, in my own head? Cause I always remember like in medical school, people would like, not that they would compete, but I would always say like, my only competition is with myself. Like I wasn't really worried about what other people were doing, mm -hmm. but kind of learning to overcome, you know, and build that self-confidence, I think definitely took time. Yeah, yeah that, that's a level of maturity that, I, you know, I don't think a lot of people have, especially in medical school mm -hmm. where, you know, you're, it's a very competitive environment. Point yep. blank in a period where people want to be at the top of the class and they want yep. the highest scores on the test because that's the way we're ranked and that's yep. the way we're looked at in so many ways. To. That's right. So for you to have that level of maturity just to just to get better within yourself and, and not worry about the rest, that's you know, it's hard for us to do that even as adults. So that's yeah. great you were able to do that. Um so you you got the you got through all that. And now you decided to do a GI fellowship. How did you how did you come to that you decision? Know, in so I did a GI rotation in my fourth year of med school at the VA, um, and I loved it. I thought it was so much fun. They actually allowed me to like hold a scope, and I thought that was so cool. Like, Not at the VA, they let you do a lot of things. They let you yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> they were there though. They were also holding the scope. So let's. <laughs> but um, that's awesome. Um, but so leaving medical school, I knew that I wanted to probably specialize because I liked the idea of knowing a lot about one thing versus knowing, like having to know everything about everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, so medicine is a very wide field. So yeah, internal medicine is a very broad field and internal medicine docs are like so, so, so smart because they just mm -hmm. have to know everything. They do. Um, but in residency, you know, I obviously your intern year, you're just kind of learning how to how things work. And then my like second year, I really started to kind of try to figure out, do I want to do GI? I was considering cardiology. I actually also really liked Hemonk. Oh, um, very cool. And I eventually realized like GI was the one where I would go, I'd be on my rotations and I'd come home and be excited to read and learn more. And I also felt like people often said that the it was the personalities of the people. Like, could you see these people yes, as yes, yes. That's yeah. huge. 
Yeah. Huge. And the GI people were like making jokes about farts and like all of this. Ridiculous <laughs> stuff. It can only be, you know what I mean? It's like we're dealing with poop and farting and all these other things. That's true. Like, these are my people. These are my people. Down and they to earth and having fun. Yep. And, and, and you know, I think it's like it's, it's a lot more procedure oriented than like I realized like until I, I finished. I didn't realize how many procedures you guys are doing all the time. So that's yeah. that makes it very cool as well. Yeah, we do a lot. And that's another thing. I feel like I get bored easily, but no day is like the last. Like one day is a procedure day, then clinic, then inpatient. It's like a nice it's a nice mix. What do you love most about GI? Um, honestly, it's just so much fun. Like I love the pathology of the different disorders. I think it's really interesting. I think what's really cool is you can fix things. Yeah. And so, you know, if somebody calls us about a patient that's bleeding or they're, you know, in the ICU because they're bleeding so rapidly and then we can actually go in and like stop that and fix it. And like Wait. then the person is discharged. It's yeah. like- Time out, time out, Audra. So you you don't call IR first? You don't, you're not, nope. like, <laughs> you know, you don't put, you don't put in your time. Does it, does it depend on what time of day it is? Because you know, before, before, before 3 p.m., oh, I'm down, let's yeah. go. Your note, your note changes after 6 p.m., call IR. There's a bleed. Oh, okay. uh, but it, yeah, I had to, I couldn't resist. Sometimes we do with that's a side combo, but sometimes yeah. we call IR first. No, we have to work together. <laughs> and that, that collab I remember GI at NGH and the department was highly respected. Oh my God. They GI at MGH did everything. I mean, I remember rendezvous procedures. And for those who don't know, you know, where you IR and GI get together to open up someone's biliary system and, and you do wonderful things for folks who are, you know terminal situation so um rendezvous know, I, procedures that sounds very cool yeah it, it is fun it's fun because it, it works and um mm -hmm. and, and working with gi the collaborative effort we can have with them i have a whole lot of respect for you and for gi and especially the department you work at um so if you could tell us a little bit about preventative medicine gi and what you're doing in the community i just i'm so proud to know you and so proud to have you here now and you can shed some light in our yes. in our small arena on what you're doing in the community to help save lives, literally save lives and prevent disease. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the cornerstone of GI is colon cancer screening. Uh, and, you know, colon cancer is the um, third most common cancer, second leading cause of cancer death for men and women combined. And you know, in colon cancer, Black individuals, Black men and women have the highest incidence or rates of new cases of colon cancer and highest rates of death from colon cancer. And so for me, that's unacceptable. Um, and, you know, I want to do my part in changing that. And so I'm work now um, in the community to figure out ways to, number one, increase awareness around colorectal cancer screening that people should be screening, should be screened, you know, what, what it means to be screened, you know, understanding the different screening test options, because I think there's a lot of stigma and a lot of misinformation, um, and just really making sure that we're getting out there, spreading the word, but then also with research, 
um, that I'm, you know, kind of working with community health centers that take care of a large share of racial and ethnic minorities uh, to make sure that, you know, we're working with their workflows and their clinic processes to figure out ways to increase um, their screening rates. And so that's kind of, you know, some of the work that I'm doing. Two of the health centers that I work with are um, over 80% Black, both of them. Uh, and so really working on the ground to, to make an impact on colorectal cancer screening. That's, really that's wonderful. Important. That's, so that's cool. wonderful. That's Hats off to you. How does that, I, and, and you know, I could imagine that motivates you on a day-to-day -day just to keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. And yeah, it's like fuel, you know, helping others and, and, and addressing a need that affects so many people. It's just like the fuel to keep, go, keep going. Even Absolutely. though, you know, you, the, the compensation may be nothing, you know, maybe your free time, but man, putting in that extra effort, it just, it goes a long way. So Absolutely. I think for anybody who's applying and trying, you know, working in medicine or applying and wants to get in, you know, if you devote that time and you're having a low point and you're feeling discouraged, just go out there and address some needs that need to be met. And that'll, that'll keep you moving. That'll keep you going. Absolutely. And around those lines, you know, sometimes like, uh, like our fellows and trainees are trying to figure out what they want to do. And they're like, ask me about my path. And I tell them, like, I'm actually mostly a researcher. I'm like, I do research and clinical, but I'm mostly a researcher. But in terms of, I tell them it's important It's important to think about your impact, right? And so mm -hmm. what drives me is like the impact that I want to have. Mm -hmm. And then I think about like, what is my avenue to, to reach that impact? And so for me, it's, it's through research and advocacy. Uh, but it's, I think it's important first to figure out what drives you and then think about, you know, what kind of, practice will get you there yeah 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 no, that's 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 how you got to do it that's exactly right um and i was gonna say just to touch on the old cold colon cancer screening thing i mean it kind of hit home like a few years ago when chadwick boseman passed away he was 40 yeah maybe uh, yeah you know oh, and uh, and he had been sick for a while too you know yeah. i mean that no screening is, is real i mean this is like this is a young young you know black male basically yeah you know, career and more and more black, not well, black people, but people in general are getting diagnosed young, at younger and younger ages. And Absolutely. so, you know, we recently, we meaning the, the USPSDF, the national guidelines, mm -hmm. reduced the screening age to 45. But I think it's important for people to know that there's more than, you know, one way to screen for colon cancer. People think mostly about colonoscopy. But, you know, a lot of people don't want to have a colonoscopy, but there's tests out there that are just as good that, you know, can be done at home. And that's kind of the message that I, I, I want to get out to people as well. But can you describe those tests just so people can know that like these are not invasive tests? Yeah, these are non-invasive um, stool-based tests. So one is a fecal immunohistochemical test. It's a, a test that you, you know, talk with your doctor about screening and they give you a kit. You do a stool sample at home and then you drop it back off. Um, at the lab. There's another um, test. Um, I don't know if we can say trade names, so I'll just say it's Fit DNA. Mm -hmm. uh, you've probably seen the commercials out there for it. It was recently mm -hmm. at SNL. Um, and so that's another stool-based test. Uh, and they actually are like a pretty well-oiled machine because they have like a whole patient navigation system that they manage on their own. Oh, wow. uh, they like, you know, manage the shipping of the kits and all of this stuff. And that test can be done every three years, whereas the FIT test is every one year. And then a colonoscopy, if it's negative, 
is every 10 years. Yeah. I think if any of those other tests are positive, though, it ends up being a colonoscopy. So it's important to let people know that ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that's that's great. That's great. It is. Don't be afraid of the testing, you know. I Don't think. be afraid of the test. Yeah, so you can prevent, prevent yeah. horrible disease. And you're so right. I see younger patients all the time, not to, you know, to strike fear in anyone, but, you know, you just, you see disease in young people, younger and younger people all the time. So, yeah. um, but you have those, those tests that help, help catch things early and get rid of it. And if yeah. there's ever any symptoms, don't ignore them. Just talk with your doctor and, you know, and get screened early, even if you're not um, screening age. But one other plug I want to put out there is actually around the time that Chadwick Boseman passed, uh, a group of us, of uh, Black GIs, we formed this organization called the Association of Black Gastroenterologists and Hepatologists. Mm -hmm. And so we're currently, you know, doing a lot of work in the community, kind of getting the word out about screening. We're actually doing a program tomorrow evening, and uh, we're doing some programming in Chicago for the community around our national conference as well. Uh, and so you know, just getting the word out, getting people screened, but also like mentoring, sponsorship, thinking about the future of GI as well, who's going to continue the work. Those are kind of, you know, that's more so what our mission is. Oh, that's awesome. Now you guys have a website or a social we media? We do. It's blackandgastro.org. Black and gastro. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And we have some cool swag, some colon cancer t-shirts. I have one that says preventable, treatable, and beatable, which colon cancer is, but um, a lot of cool swag as well. Oh, that's Man, awesome. I've seen your presence on Twitter and I love it. I love oh. it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So where's Ajua going to be in 10 years? Ooh, that is a big question. <laughs> um, that is a, you know, that is a great question. I'm honestly still figuring it out. Yeah. I love where I'm at right now. I love what I'm doing right now. Uh, you know, it's all about what the impact is. And so I'm kind of just going to wait and see. I know in five years, I'll definitely still be doing what I'm doing. But in 10, who knows? I'm not, I honestly don't have the answer to that question. That's all right. You're figuring it out. And um, it, it, all of us are. Yes. Yeah, we yeah. sure are. But also, as one more, I know we're, you know, getting towards the end, but just for anybody listening, like your path, like we've talked about, your path changes. If you asked me five years ago if I would be doing what I'm doing right now, I would have been like, you're crazy. Yeah. And so <laughs> be open. Yeah. Just be open. You never know. Oh, that's awesome. So I guess in that in that regard, so like, so what would you tell someone who's like, you know, in med school and, or in undergrad trying to like figure it out, try to get trying to get through? Like, what would you tell them as advice? Yeah, just keep pushing. Think about it. One one assignment, one test at a time. You're going to get through it. If anybody tells you you can't do it, you absolutely can keep your support near you, the people who keep you going. Mm -hmm. uh, get a study group because those people will push you through as well. When you feel like you yes. can't do it, they'll tell you in that room the night before the test, yes, you can. Yeah. And just, you know, just keep on going and don't be discouraged. Like you'll get there and there really is a light at the end of the tunnel. I didn't think there was, but there really is one. Oh, it's major. I love it. Yeah, that's great. That's great. It's great advice. We really appreciate you making the time for us today. Yeah. This was awesome. Like, uh, Dr. Nyana Yaboa, dropping, yeah. dropping gems. <laughs> oh, yeah, we out here learning. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, until next time, stay low and keep firing. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you get your pods.